Hello, welcome to the Jay Show. This is Dr. Jay Smith in London with Hatun Tash, one of our favorite experts on the history of the Islam and also the history of the Quran. We're looking at the history of the Quran, and this is our last episode, episode seven, where we're going to unpack. We've already looked at some of the difficulties with the compilation of the Quran. We've looked at how the sources, 25% uh, of the quota of the Quran is coming from other sources. Uh, a lot of them are Jewish apocryphal writings, Christian sectarian writings hymns and whatnot. Uh, we've looked at the manuscripts himself. We've looked at, before we did that actually, we looked at some of the historical anachronisms, but we spent an awful lot of time looking at the manuscripts and we noticed that they were not the same. Um, let's do this. I want to see what your, let's look at these Qurans um, and I, I'd like to put them up on the screen. I'm going to put them up one after another and you're going to see what we're talking about. So these are Hatun's 26 Qurans. There's one right there. Yep. That's the Al-Suzi. Al-Suzi. And then you get the uh, Abijafar, and then you get the Yaqub. And here we have the Duri Abi Amr Al Basri. Yeah, yeah. Forgive my Arabic for those who speak uh, 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 fluent that, Arabic. That's okay because we did look at those Qurans before. Ibn Amir, we'll go a little yeah. quicker then. There's a Caliph, and there you get the Alayt Al Khalid, and then you get Warsh. Now there's more than one Warsh. Here's another Warsh. And then there's an Ibn Jamaz. And the duty again, we get that back. So you can see as you put these up, I'm going to go a little quicker. When you start looking at these, these are not just 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. As we keep putting them up there, it, it fills up the whole screen after a yeah. while until you get this one. Now, yeah, that's 26. These are the ones that you've collected so, so that, far. Yeah, those are the 26 Arabic Qurans. They are different from the Hafs Quran. The Hafs Quran. Now, let's take a what, what you mean by that. I'm going to put up this slide here and take a look there. Explain that right there because the Hafs is where you find the Hafs. It's on the right side coming down about two-thirds of the way down. Look where Kufa is. Come over two lines from Kufa down the lower end and you will see the Hafs. So, um, Hafs is one of the Quran which was sent to Kufa and it comes like from um, Imam Hafs around 800. 805 is when he died. So yeah. you're talking about 9th century. There is some century. in the house debates like if he died in 805 or 796. Okay, the end of the 8th century, the beginning of the 9th century. Yeah. He died and he wrote this near the yeah. end of his life. So the, the Quran Muslims are reciting all over the world is the Quran with attributed back to the Imam Hafs. You're using the word attributed because yeah. we don't even know if this comes from him because there was no Quran. He has no Quran he left behind. So this is what we think it comes from the... Uh, Imam Hafs, but we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. It's nothing more than an attribution. It no. could be completely fictitious. It could be nothing more than uh, hope, and that's probably all it is. But nonetheless, that's the one they give, and he comes from the Kufa school. Now, when you look here on that graph again, you notice uh, what Hatun has done. You, you see five different cities on the right. Uh, you will see uh, Mecca, uh, Mecca, Medina, Damascus, Kufa, and Basra. Basra. So three of these, well, Damascus is in Syria, Kufa and Basra are what, what we know, Kufa is just south of Baghdad, those are in Iraq, and Mecca Medina would be in Saudi Arabia, today's world, today's countries. Yeah, so the Quran we are using today, actually Muslims are using today, is the Quran comes from Kufa. It does, it's not the Quran which comes from Medina or Mecca, it comes from Kufa. 
And when you look at the names on the right-hand side of that graph, you will see that every one of those names are readers. These are students of teachers, and the teachers are on the left, and then their teachers are on the left of them. So this is the third generation. And look at the dates. Look at the dates. They're yep. all 864, 904, 812, 855, 859, yep. 856, 843. Are you getting the same? Yeah, here's the amazing These are ninth century. Yeah. So those are known by Muslims as Qurat. So they are the readings. Kira, they're the readings. Yeah. So these are not the seven Ahrufs that we're talking about that exist at the time of Muhammad. Yeah, we're talking about 200 to 300 years later. Yeah. These are introduced. Yeah. And they do not go back to Muhammad. Here's the problem. So when we look at the Islamic tradition, we see in 839, people are talking about there are 25 different Arabic Qurans someone is gathering. Um, in 900s, People have people have fifty different Arabic Qurans. Okay, um, in late nine hundreds, um, they bring that to the seven Quran. Um, I can't remember exactly date, but like they bring it to the seven reading. And in thirteen ninety seven, in fourteenth century, they decided to make it only ten aruf. Sorry, ten Qurat. Ten so readings. Ten readings comes from fourteenth century. They do not go back to time of Muhammad. They do not go back to time of uh, Uthman. So they all officialized in 1400s. Okay, so that's even later than this. But let's just look at these ones from the 9th and 9th and 10th century. Uh, when you look at, I'm sorry, 8th and 9th, uh, no, this is 9th and 10th century. Look at them. Look at those those brownish little clouds. Every one of those are differences between the huffs that we have today. Yes. And they're thousands, 1,900, 1,700. And if you're coming on down uh, to Abu al-Harith, al there's 500, 5,000 5, differences. Yep. So these are thousands of differences that, that from from the Hafs Quran. Al-Duri even conf uh, confront, uh, confronts himself. In one case, he has 4,600 differences with the Hafs, and then later on he has 2,700 differences. Because there are two different, um, two different Qurans on that. Two different Qurans there. So you can see these are thousands. In fact, from what you have seen so far, you've uh, tabulated 45,000 differences so far. 45,339 variations within those Qurans, yes. So this is not something simple. These are modern day Qurans, Arabic Qurans. These are not translations. These are Arabic Qurans that you can buy in the marketplace today for over 45,000 differences. And Arabic writing is different. Okay, now let's take a look at some examples here. Uh, we did this earlier. Here you have Surah 2, Ayah 184. If you put these up on the screen, Miskinin, uh, one person on the half side, the water, it's Masakina, many poor men. That's quite so a big difference. So one of them is like, one individual in another one, it's a group of people. Okay, of course, you did. Uh, can they feed one poor man or many poor men? I'd like to know if I'm going to be the ones doing the feeding. Here's Surah 3, Ayah 146. You have Katala, which is what we talked about earlier, versus Kutila. They either, these prophets either, these prophets either fought or, or they were killed. killed. I'd like yep. to know. I'd rather fight rather than die. So that's, a, that's, that's very significant for me, and that's in the wash. Now we're looking at Hafs versus Alayt ibn Khalid. Here's another example, Surah 757. Uh, the wind bears good witness versus the wind scatters. Does yep. the wind bear good witness or does it scatter? Yep. So when you look at the Arabic graphs, you see Arabic graphs, Arabic scripts are different from one another. Yeah. That's the point. And as we see in this example, it does change the meaning.
Now, just for those who have brought this up, I know on, online many people have said, well, I can't find this word changed. Here's an example, Surah 7144, where you have on the left in blue, Abi Jafar in brown, but it's in yellow. But take a look where it's not in the text, the major text, it's in the margin. People don't realize that some of the things we're looking at are in the margin. This yep. is where the variants are brought because that's where Abi Jafar is different from Hafs. Yep. And there you have with my messages in Hafs and you have with my message singular. Yep in the Abi Jafar. Here's Surah 10, Ayah 2, and we see this is between Warsh and Hafs, uh, just by adding a Dagar Alaf. Surely a magician, if you take the Dagar Alaf off, it's surely a work of magic. Yep. Hatu, that's hugely different, isn't it? It does change the meaning. Changes the meaning completely. Is this a magician? Is this a man? Or is it an action? Yep. Now, <laughs> Dr. Bernie Power, this is his graph here, and he looked at the number of variations, and he found over 5,000 vowel marking differences per version that he looked at. An average of 100 to 150 consonantal differences or dots per version, per version. Now, he didn't look at the 26 you're looking at. He only had 17 so far, so he's behind you. But can you see these make the difference? And you have looked at 45,000 differences. Yeah. You're still counting them, and you found... 3,000 in some cases, 2,700 differences in other cases. Yeah. You can unpack that there, but you can see these hugely change. Yeah, and remember, they are the current Qurans, Jay. These are current Qurans. You can just go to the bookshop and then you can buy them. And remember, in um, 800s, there were 25 different Arabic Qurans. As in 900s, there were 50 different Arabic Qurans. They decided now, like these 10 readings, 10 Qurat, has been officialized in 1400s. That's very, very, very late. That's like over 700 years after the death of Muhammad. Mm. And it is, again, people were the ones who made those decisions. In every case, it comes back to man's decision. Yeah. In every case, these differences are man-made. We'll get to this as we come to the conclusion. But let's now go to a controversy that has come up, uh, that came up in 2015. Two folios were found, and here we get to problem number seven. Yeah. Problem number seven, we'll put up on the screen there, is the Birmingham folios. The Birmingham folios were introduced by, well, actually, F uh, Fedali, a lady who was doing some studies in Birmingham. She was yep. going through the manuscripts that were there, and she noticed two folios in a manuscript that didn't really belong. Yep. They weren't the same. They didn't look the same. So she it was, noticed there were two pages were part of different book. A different manuscript. Yep. And they, she could see just by looking at the texture, by looking at the script, uh, that these, didn't these two pages did should not, should not be there. Yeah. So she pulled them out and she got permission to send them down to Oxford to go to the uh, carbon dating labs in Oxford, yeah. Oxford University. And they looked and carbon dated them. And uh, we let's, what we do, let's just look at the slide here. This announcement came out on July 22nd, 2015 yeah. uh, by Dr. David Thomas. It uh, was put onto BBC News, front page BBC News. We all heard about it, that this is the oldest Quran because when they carbon dated it, they carbon dated this to 568 to 645. Now, what, what, what do we mean by that? 568 to 645. So first of all, carbon dating is when the animal lived. No, it's actually when he died, so it would be... Yeah, animal died before 560. Had to be died. So because when you die, then you start exuding yeah. carbons, and that's why they, they could start counting them. Yeah. But so this is not after the animal died. This is up until the death of the yeah. animal. So... Um, but it's a very inexact science, isn't it? Yeah, it's like they are giving us approximate kind of numbers. So if we go with the earliest date, 568, 568 that means 
those two pages. Let's look at them up there. We'll put them on this on this uh, screen there. Can that you see? Means, that means those two pages contains the revelation Muhammad had before Muhammad was born. Okay, it's because he was born in 570. Yes. Two years before Muhammad was born, those two pages revealed to Muhammad. You can't have this. That's one of the option. If you go to later state, then you would have to say, actually, when Islamic tradition tells us, Uthman ordered every manuscript to be burned, actually, those manuscripts are dating before Uthman. So this is, in every case, whether you take the earliest date or the latest, latest date, date, it's too early. It's yeah. too early for Muhammad's life, and secondly, if it's the latest date, it's too early for the Uthmanic so it recension. It contradicts the Islamic tradition. It could all the way through. Yeah. But remember, those are the not datings are not when it is written down. Dating is when the animal stopped living. When he died, yeah. when they start to deteriorate, and the carbon starts to emanate. Yeah. What's interesting is when you look at the contents of these two folios. You can, yeah. We've got them pictured there. You can look at them uh, on the screen. Uh, they include Surah 18, Ayah 17 to 31, Surah 19, Ayah 91 to 98, and Surah 20, Ayah 1 to 40. So if you just look at the pictures, you can see actually it doesn't have the dots. So it is practically difficult to read them, by the way. But amazingly, they were able to read it. Well, they were able to look and they'd be able to see because of the... Yeah. And when they Comparing looked at it, others, yeah. they noticed that Surah 18 is the story of the seven sleepers of Ephesus. Yeah. Um, and Metaphrastes and Sarug, 521 AD. Surah 19 to 90, 91 to 98 is from the Proto-Evangelium of James, 145 yeah. AD, and also from the Pseudo-Gospel of Matthew, 680. And then Surah 20, I wonder 40, is the story of Moses. It's very close to the story of Moses that we have in the Bible. So, um, what we have is those two pages contains the stories which were exist before Muhammad. Okay, we're so, going to come to that before you jump to your conclusion. Don't I'm come sorry. to conclusions there. That's interesting. So these are not really anything to do with Muhammad. These are nothing to do with his life. These are nothing to do with what he did or said or what was happening around him. They were These already were exist. already stories from before Muhammad. Yeah. Okay, take that and note that because that's important as to what we're going to go with. So um, let's look at these, uh, the one with the seven sleepers, Surah 18, 17 to 31. It's, um, go ahead, it's, a, it's told by the Greek by Simon uh, Metaphrastes in his yep. Lives of the Saints. Greg of Tours translated it to Latin. There's a Syriac version of James of Sargon 521. So this is long before the Quran. Yep. This is long before Muhammad, at least 100 to 150 years before. And from the Syriac, the story was put into other East Lang So this story is well known. Yeah. Long it before. It, wa it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't something new to Arabs or Arabic script. So it was, these stories were exist before. And uh, let's look at then at uh, the Surah 1998 to uh, 1998 and also Surah 21 to 30. Syriac works of Proto-Evangelium of James, the Gospel of pseudo -Mathiasi. These are all long before yeah. the Quran, it's long before Islam. So those two Birmingham manuscripts doesn't give us something brand new, but it tells us those stories were exist before. So if you're going to say that these are the earliest Quran, I would suggest that maybe these have to are long before the Quran. Yeah, so, but here's the thing. You cannot just put all your faith on the carbon dating. We know carbon dating is just kind of carbon dating. Well, let's look at some more so dates. There are, so, there are lots of interesting dates under the carbon let's dating. Let's take a look at this, uh, 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 this slide here. These are other carbon dated folios that yeah. have been done. Uh, they, these are, most of these are Sana manuscript, are they not? Yeah. 
and they've done it in other laboratories that are equal or even better than the Oxford labs in Lyon, in France, in Kiel, in Arizona, United States, Zurich, in Switzerland. And when they looked and they, they used carbon dating again on the manuscripts from Sana, they could dates uh, in Lyon that went from 388 to 538 AD. Yeah, Muhammad so was born in 570. They, they were much, much, much earlier than Muhammad's. Book. Another manuscript that they dated was 443 yeah. to 599. Yeah, so that's again, this shows us um, you cannot trust the carbon dating. Even in Arizona labs, 443 to 599 and 543 to 643, that supports what there was in Lyon in France. Yeah. And when you stop and look at these two laboratories, they are now coming out with such early dating yeah. that if you want to say this is Quranic, well then you'll have to say that, that Muhammad must have lived 200 years earlier. Yeah. Um, in some of the occasions, we know which uh, page they kind of checked it. Like we can kind of chase the back and then see if that story was pre-exist or not. In most of occasions, yes, those early dates are those many, those stories that pre-exist before Quran. So it looks like either way you want to go it, you're going to have problems. Because if you want to go with carbon dating, I'm saying this to Muslims, be careful about using the Birmingham folio. If you want to go with this, then you're going to have to go with all the carbon datings. And these are just a matter. There are more carbon datings coming out. In fact, more are being done as I speak. And what we're finding is that carbon datings are going all over the place. And we, we know this already because they've tried to do this with the Bible looking at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And the Dead Sea Scrolls carbon dating are go all the way from the 4th century BC up until AD. And the problem is this, in order to have carbon datings you need to have carbon de deterioration. Yeah. And they, oh, there are only two places where they have really looked at carbon deterioration and put it on a graph. One is in the west coast of America and the other is in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, neither of these are the Middle East. So you don't, be, you, if those are the only two places that they have scales for, there's a lot more liquid and there's an awful lot of topographical differences. There's enormous different uh, historical differences in those two locations than what is in the Middle East that's much drier. So in one sense, carbon dating, carbon dating gives us idea, but you cannot put all your faith on carbon dating and then say, yes, I trust the carbon datings are given by the scientists. Because they're going to have material. to throw Muhammad out of the picture. Yeah. They're going to have to throw Islam I mean, out of the picture. Of, and yeah. they're going to have to say the Quran actually is exactly what we've been finding. These are pre-Islamic. Yeah. These are nothing more than examples of, as we said, apocryphal writings. And as we said, remember we talked about this in another episode, that if you look on the graph, Cain and Abel, uh, this comes from the Targum of Jonathan yeah. and Isaiah. Abraham and Mecca, this comes from the Mishnah of Rabbah. The Queen of Sheba story, this comes from the second Targum of Esther, so all of, from the second century. Yeah, because of that it cannot be surprising when we hear there are the carbon datings takes us takes us back before time of Muhammad well because those stories were already exist so now what we want to do and for the last seven minutes what I'd like to do is I'd like to just review of everything we've done in all seven episodes yeah so let's kind of go through and let's re impact what we have done Hatun. we started out when we looked at the uh, uh, the, when we looked at the, well... Compilation uh, of the Quran. Well, we, even before that, we looked at the claims. Yeah. And we started with the Misa, Mas, uh, Masabi, uh, Mishkat al-Masabi, which the says... The greatest wonder of the world. Of the whole world, that there's nothing that's equal. We looked at Surah 10, where it says, if you have anything better, pr provide it. Produce yeah, a surah like better. it. And, and uh, Surah 43 is the mother of the book. It's the mother of all books. Yeah, so... Um, 
Islamic tradition simply was telling us there is nothing like Quran in this world. And we looked at the claims come from Muslims, which were telling us Quran is the only book which never changed, not even dot changed. Wherever you travel, it is exactly the same Quran. Those are pretty big claims. And when we look into Quran itself, we see Quran makes eternal claims about individuals eternity. That's why it's important we look at those claims and then see if those claims are correct. Is Quran really greatest wonder in the world? Mm. Is, is it correct that Quran is the only book never changed, mm. even the dot to dot? And we found in every case this is an error, this yeah. is fraudulent. So we looked at, first we looked at completion of the Quran, how it came to be as a book. Sorry, that's they the Bible. The book. Yeah, at least we do know how, this one. How it came together as a book. And then we saw it become a book by human helps. Human helped it, human supported it, and human made it. It has nothing to do with Muhammad. Um, second Quran is compiled under Uthman around 650s. That's what they say. Yeah, that was Islamic We have pretty well now shown by looking at the historical anachronisms that it's full of errors within itself. We've shown that it didn't it could it could not have been written by God. God would not make error after error after error. He would not get chainmail differences. He would not get the crucifixion fiction all mixed up. He would not get the places uh, like the Qiblas all confused. Yeah. Uh, he would certainly not have problems with knowing who his men were and what they were saying. And his own mother, he would not know where his mother was. He knew who his mother was and she was not the same Mary. Yeah. Uh, that's in the Old Testament, 1400 years earlier than the Mary of his yeah. mother. So you can see why the Quran is confused in many of these historical problems. We can see that source-wise it's been borrowed from yeah. many sources. But, sorry, when we just kind of put the information in the Quran on the historical line, we see actually the Quran destroys the history. It destroys history. And history, history destroys and cannot Destro back History up. destroys it. Yeah, cannot back up the Quran. So it, it destroys history and history destroys it. When we look at the sources, we pretty well see that much of what the Arabs used, they borrowed. Yeah. They didn't have much uh, any creativity themselves, so they borrowed material from the Jews, they borrowed material from the Christians, they slapped it into a book without looking and seeing yeah. whether those are the authoritative stories. They should have gone to the original source. They yeah. should have come back to the Bible. They remember, Quran, um, like after Quran claims that it came to confirm the previous revelation. So when we read the stories of prophets, they, those stories should confirm the informations in the Bible. Yet what we saw is Quran borrows those stories which are not part of the scripture. It not even borrows, it's like even just mishmash those stories outside <laughs> of the Bible. Which so it sad. was supposed to confirm, but it came to deform. Yeah. So it did not confirm, it deformed. And that's why when you look at the stories, you can see the stories between these two books are completely different. Yeah. These books had, this book had not yet been translated into Arabic. Those who put this book together could not go back to here to find out where to get the real story, the real source, the real men yeah. and the women of God doing what they were doing in the place they were doing it at the right time. Yeah. That's why they've got the names, dates, places and events completely confused in yeah. this book. So I can take this book to British uh, Museum 
and then we can back up the information. And we do that, don't we? In fact, I'll be doing that tomorrow, looking at case after case after case of the Assyrian period, the Babylonian period, the Persian period. And what we now know about this book is that there is not one piece of evidence, not one stella, not one mural, not one obelisk, not one tablet anywhere in the world that controverts a properly understood biblical statement. Yet, if I take to the Quran to British Museum, I don't think I want to do that. You better not do it. In fact, you'll find the Sargon II pretty well confronts this book re- yeah. very quickly concerning where the Samaritans yeah. were. Again, it shows us it cannot be book of God because God will be all, God is all wise and all knowing. He wouldn't make such a historical mistakes. He wouldn't make mistake after mistake after mistake. Yeah. Not, and we don't find these mistakes in this book. We've got the right men in the right place doing the right thing at the right time. Now look yeah. at the Abrahamic story. We now have the Nuzi tablets. We now have the Mari tablets. We now have the Ebla tablets, which all put Abraham in the right place doing the right thing. Even yeah. the customs are exactly the same. And those customs would have come out of existence by the time a- Moses would have been living. He would yeah. not have known about those customs. Yet Moses writing it down gets every one of it right. The Ebla tablets were discovered in my lifetime, and here they place Sodom, Gomorrah, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zebum, and Zor in the right sequence that you find in the trade route. But how can Moses have known that since that trade route was destroyed in 1900 B.C.? Here Moses is writing in 1400 B.C., and yet he gets the right trade route. In Genesis chapter 14, verse 8, you get the exact same five cities in the exact same order as the Ebla tablets, proving how accurate our Bible is. Yeah, that's why we say it is inspired word of God. God stepped in for human to write the his- history of God. Moses couldn't story have known God. this. God yeah. did. Now, when we come back and look at the earliest manuscripts, and this is where we, it really comes down, the earliest manuscripts. We don't have the earliest manuscripts for this. We know that. No, We've we, admitted it. Just a moment, just a moment. We don't have the original manuscripts. We do have earliest manuscripts. Ah, that's a good thing. You're correcting my English. Thank Sorry. you. As a Turk, correcting a man's <laughs> native tongue. And that's exactly right. We don't have the originals. The earliest manuscripts are not the originals. Yeah. We've always heard Muslims say that they have the originals. They don't have one original. They don't even have it from the same century. And there's no excuse not to have the originals, not by the seventh century. They were in charge, they were in power, not like the Christians who were persecuted. They didn't have the means or the wealth to put together parchment or vellum. They were only using vellum and parchment. Why don't they have the originals? Now, not just one, they should have nine. That's a very good question to ask Muslims. And we're asking Muslims right now, why don't you have the originals? Where are they? I don't just want one. I would like to have nine originals from the time of Uthman that have not changed exactly the same that that what uh, supposedly was given down to this man named Muhammad in the 7th century. Why can't you even come up with one of them? And when you do start introducing them in the 8th century, not one of them is the same. They're all different from each other. They're all different from this Quran here. This book here, when was this created? When was this finalized? When was this text finalized? In 1924, 93 years ago. 93 years ago, Hattu, this was finalized. Prince Philip is older than this Quran. Can you see now why we're asking this question? Muslims, we're talking to you straight tonight. Hattu and I ask you, be careful of what you claim. You say the Quran is eternal, it's no longer eternal. You claim that it was sent down to Muhammad, I don't even know who Muhammad is. We're going to get into that in the next episodes about who Muhammad is. You say that he had something to do with it, we know he had nothing to do with it. You say it was complete at the time of Uthman, we know pretty well now that there was nothing there at the time of Uthman. You say that it has been unchanged since that time. We would not make those claims about our Bible. We know the Bible is not eternal, it was not sent down, complete in its original form, Yes, change, we know where the changes are. But, you know, Hatun, this is not our only word of God, is it? 
We've got the eternal word of God. We Lord do have Jesus. another word of God. His name is the Lord Jesus. Jesus. The yeah. Logos, the word. The Logos. Now let's ask the same four yeah. questions of Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you, Hutton, is Jesus eternal? Yes. Ooh, number one. Was Jesus sent down? Yes, he came from heaven. Ooh, number two. Is Jesus complete? Yes. Absolutely. Number three, is he unchanged? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So the four things the Muslims have claimed about their Quran, we have pretty well eradicated in these seven episodes. The four things we are they're looking for, we have in Jesus Christ, yeah. who is our eternal word, the word of God. We know him as the Logos, the word of God. But more than that, he is our primary revelation. This book all refers to him, points it, to him. Yeah. Bible, looks to him. Bible is the revelation to the eternal word of God. He is the revelation. It is the revelation to the word of God, yeah, Jesus Christ. The word of God. Folks, if you want the eternal sent down, complete and unchanged word of God, you're going to have to come to Jesus Christ. Come on back. Come on back to this book that talks about him. Listen, this book you can trust. This book does not have the problems that that book has. This book talks always about the eternal word of God. His name is Jesus Christ and he is waiting for you to invest him, to look for him, and to find him uniquely in this book. You notice it's the bigger book. The bigger, the better book. Always come back to this book. We've said that all the time. The book and the man. The book and the man you can find in only one book. His name is Jesus Christ, and his gospel is his word, our word, that we do, and we don't have to memorize it. We can get trust what's in this book. Hatun, thanks so much. You've unpacked an awful lot for us. God bless you. Thanks for having me, Jay. Here in London. Hatun and Jay, over and out.